Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation Radio. High noon on a Wednesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. Time to go inside the electric factory. Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes today. What is happening, Chris? What's up, Wes? How you doing, my man? I'm excited to uh, to be sitting down with you again, chopping it up here for the next two hours. We're going to have some fun. Always fun, man. Best of the West Wednesday, Carter's Classroom, all ahead for you in the next two hours. You know the drill. If you want to chime in at any time, questions, comments, concerns on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler is where you find us. Mr. Carter, the Steelers... What you got? I think it's safe to say have uh, have been bitten by the injury bug as of late. You don't say. And maybe even ever since the regular season started. Is it an injury bug, or is it at this point it's like an injury like raccoon? Because it's just it just it's a big it's bite. Like a, out of the it's team. like an injury piranha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, it, it all started six weeks into the season with Ben Roethlisberger, and and even before that, uh, mm-hmm. Rosie Nix and Vince Williams and Vance Sean McDonald. Davis. Uh, it's been a it's been a whole year of injuries. Uh, the backup quarterback Mason Rudolph, and then news coming out after Sunday's contest uh, Tuesday, yesterday at Coach Tomlin's press conference that mm-hmm. Jalen Samuels had to have his knee scoped. Yep, he's going to be out for about a month. Uh, and then James Washington, the news comes out today that he's going to be out for a little bit of an extended time as well too. So you're down to your third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. You're missing some options, clearly, on offense. Other positions as well, too, due to injuries. How do you go about forward? Scheming this, still trying to have success. How how does this offense adapt now, at least in the next couple weeks, while they are kind of, you know, again, dealing with the injury piranhas? Well, so that's that's the thing, is that you got to move forward. With this, with a similar plan at least, as far as you can't give up the core of the things that you found success in. Like for example, you know, uh, my my buddy Tony Serino posted a, a picture. I uh, posted the, the next gen stats on Twitter after the game, showing that Juju Smith Schuster ran basically all crossing routes against the Ravens because they knew it was going to work. You don't want to go away from things that that are working, and mm-hmm. it's obvious. Like routes like that, where he's given a chance to lock up with somebody, force them to trail him. He's he's getting he's taking advantage of that. I think the biggest thing right now is that well, I was in the locker room after the game, was and the but I talked to Villanueva, I talked to DeCastro, I talked to like a bunch of different guys in the offense, and they all said that Devlin Hodges, when he came in, the cadence was right, he was confident, he was barking at people, mm-hmm. and that was a very good sign because that show. And they said that like you know the offense didn't slow up just because he was in the game, which often happens. I mean, people saw that when Michael Vick took over and he was a veteran coming into sure. the Steelers, you know, you know, in the middle of preseason and uh, it, it you know, he didn't have a full grasp of the playbook, but Devlin Hodges right now does. Uh, at least a, a, a decent grasp enough to call plays and recognize blitzes and we'll get into that in Carter's classroom because I broke that down for DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm going to do it a little bit more for you guys on on Steel Nation Radio uh, when we get to the I think it's the the hour mark. But 
I think that's the biggest factor is that you don't need to change too much. What you do need to, to, to find, though, is that your top trio is now down one of, one of its uh, one of its guys in James Washington. So the question is, who's going to step up in that role? Because James Washington and Deontay Johnson were doing what we what we were kind of suggesting they would do: line up outside, mm-hmm. let Juju work in the slot. Mm-hmm. Now the question is. With your remaining three guys in the roster, you got Dante Moncrief, who you know everyone's been like he can't catch and is his finger healed, and we don't know. You got Ryan Switzer, who's purely a slot receiver that's not a big threat, and you got Johnny Holton, who has the speed, but he's basically Darius Hayward Bay. So who do you who do you line up there? Do you line someone up outside? Because you know if you line Holton up outside or or Moncrief, they're at least speed guys that someone will have to at least run with them, and so they can factor out at least one defender. If you put Switzer in. You know, maybe he gets open in the slot because everyone's paying attention to, to Juju and to Deontay Johnson and Vance McDonald and James Conner. But, you know, and then, you know, Johnny Holton and Dante Moncrief, they're, they're, they're filling the same role. So that's really the question is how you how do you do that? I do think you're not going to see the Wildcat this week because Jalen Samuels was kind of the heart of that. Sure. And that's the biggest thing that's going to be factored out. But factoring in James Conner, man. Uh, I think they're gonna. He's he's gonna have to do a lot more this game on the ground. I thought he actually had a decent game against the Ravens, not just because of his ground game, but because of how he was protecting Devlin Hodges in the mm-hmm. pocket. Yeah, that's a good point by you. It, that's certainly one of the things I want to talk with you about too here in the in the next two hours is how they kind of get that run game going now in the absence of Jalen Samuels. What yeah. that means for Benny Snell. We'll get into all that. Guy, you mentioned though Dante Moncrief. I'm glad you did. If not now, then when for him, maybe? And you brought up his thumb. That's a fair point, right? None of us really, I mean, people do. You and I don't. None of us outside of the the friendly confines of the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the (laughs) south side know kind of the real extent, how much that's been hampering, how much of it was just mental. Mental or, you know, just guys go through bad periods throughout their career. I, I know a lot of Steeler fans have already kicked Moncrief to the curb. He's yeah. an afterthought for them. They don't even consider him to be a factor with this offense going forward, but I certainly do. Uh, particularly now, in the absence of, of James Washington, he's going to be injured. You've got to have somebody else that you can rely on. And of all those guys that you just mentioned, you talked about, and the Switzers and the Johnny Holtons, and uh, all due respect to those guys, yeah. none of those guys never caught... 13 touchdowns in two seasons like Dante Moncrief. None of those guys ever went for back-to-back 700-plus yard seasons like Dante Moncrief Mm -hmm. has in his career. I'm not ready to catch. Health considered, right? I I don't want him back out on the field until he feels like he's ready to be back out on the field. But I'm not casting that guy aside yet like a lot of people are. No, I'm right with you. I I think that you know people were calling for him to be cut after week one. I'm like, listen... If the Steelers operated like that, part part of what the uh, part of what what the, what the Steelers are, are are looking at is that you know th- they are an organization that never overreacts. That's part of why they are one of the greatest organizations in all of sports, not just football. So many teams. Oh, that guy stinks. Or that that coach stinks. Get him out of town. I mean, look at look look at Washington right now. You know, everyone's talking about them trying to trade for Tom. But why are they trying to trade Tom? Because they got rid of Jay Gruden in the middle of a season. Yes, they were owned five, but you know th- they have. Been, this has been the routine. For years, uh, you know, it was uh, I forget. I think it was I was it Chase Daniels, someone who said they were on. It wasn't Chase Daniels, but I remember it was a quarterback that said he was on. You know, on the Redskins back in the 2000s when Marty Schottenheimer was coaching, and they turned the season around after a horrible start. They were down to their backup quarterback, and they finished eight and eight, and then they fired Schottenheimer, and it, and it was just and it was just a nightmare. And it's things like that that 
other teams do and the Steelers don't do. And right now, yes, for those of you sitting out there considering, you know, if they cut Dante Moncrief, that's the one way they can probably recoup their third round draft pick for losing Le'Veon Bell because of the LJ Fort getting cut situation from the Eagles. I know I just said a whole bunch of word, <laughs> word vomit there, but uh, but essentially, a lot of people are saying get rid of Moncrief to get your third round pick because he's not worth it. And I, I hear that, but they don't have to do that till week 10 and James Washington is hurt right now. And as much as he stunk in these in, in these early games, you can you can look you can still look and say like you know what, Holton really hasn't get, given you much. Switzer haven't given you much, and neither is Moncrief. But he, you at least like you said, he you see the potential. And the Steelers can't just say knee jerk reaction, get him out of here. They got to give him the chance to recoup. And if he doesn't recoup by week ten, and you, you you do want that pick, all right, send him loose. Sure. But it's what week six now. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do why this make early? a decision why? until you have to? Exactly. This. This is. This is. This is like a, a classic, you know, poker decision. If if everyone's checking around the board, why are you folding your hand at this point in time? The Steelers. The, no one's raised your bet. You don't have to do it until you act, until you actually have to put more money on the table, and that's not happening with Dante Moncrief right now. So don't cut him yet. <laughs> on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques, Chris Mack chimes in here. You guys sure are counting Rudolph out when he's doing physical testing today. And apparently he adds his brother, Logan Rudolph, went on a radio station and said that his brother didn't sustain a concussion. I didn't hear that. But Chris, I'll tell you this. If you listen to Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday on our airwaves right here on Steelers Nation Radio, your 24-7 home of the black and gold, catch Coach Tomlin here every Tuesday at noon. Nice Uh, plug. He sure (laughs) seemed like a guy who was planning to go to, oh, I almost said San Diego, planning to go to Los Angeles. Don't worry. You would have been like the 20th person on radio. In the past hour. <laughs> In the past hour. <laughs> he sure sounded like a head coach who was planning to go to San Diego with Devlin Hodges when he said, I'm a 1-4 in four head coach mm-hmm. who's going to face a future, a, a potential future Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. That's what he called Phillip Rivers. Yes. With my third quarterback. Uh, coach Tomlin said that, not me. So maybe you're right. Maybe we are jumping the gun a little bit too much in assuming that it's 100% going to be duck on Sunday. But if you listen to what Coach Tomlin said yesterday in the press conference, and you consider the fact right that there's the bye week yeah. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Chris, listen, Chris Mack is a guy I always have some fun interactions with on Twitter. So shout out to you, Chris Mack. I, you know, thanks for always tweeting at me. But i got to say... This is a realistic expectation. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a, a doubting of Mason Rudolph thing. I, I think Mason Rudolph is, is one tough son of a gun. And I mean, you saw. I mean, he got. He walked up after he just got knocked out on on national television. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy's laying in the middle of the field, not sure about where he is, and then he's 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 walking off the field. And he's at home the next night, and he's at the facility the next day. You know, this is not about his toughness. This is simply about just reality as far as. If I'm a coach and I just saw one of my guys get knocked out and and he says, oh, I'm fine. How many times has someone been fine and then something happened and then they weren't fine? And I'm, and, and not to – this isn't making fun. This is making fun of anything. This isn't, uh, this isn't picking on anything. But Daryl Drake this year is a sad, unfortunate example where he was at the hospital. He said he felt fine. And then he, the next the next day he's the next morning he wakes up or he doesn't wake up and the team finds him and he's it. It's just I think that there's way too many things they they do not want to put this this young man in a situation where his entire life could be in, in danger by going back out there because the the brain injuries we don't know science still doesn't know everything about nope. that stuff and sure he may he may pass like this check on concussions and it may not be a ticket but there could be 
something in there that they don't know. And if he takes a headshot by because they rushed him back out there, they're forget what the Steelers will look like. They will have put him in the position to to put his life in danger when he didn't need to be. That's why I think they're going with this, and that's why I think everyone is talking like this because it would be insane for Mason Rudolph to go back out the week after this, especially when you got a bye week coming up after this. And yes, it certainly plays into it too. Like you got you got a chance for this guy to get two weeks rest. Make sure all the get him second, third, and quadruple tr- checked by doctors before you rush him back out there. And if this guy is the could be is a franchise quarterback, like I think he can be. You don't. Why would you risk that over one game against the Chargers in a season that you're already you know look at and saying ah this is look this is looking really rough. Concussions are a completely different animal they're, than they're anything dangerous. else. Yeah. Uh, if a guy breaks his collarbone. You have a rough timetable for how long he's going to be out. Right. If a guy has a high ankle sprain, you have a rough timetable for how long he's going to be out. If a guy dislocates his wrist, right. breaks his tibia, anything, you have tears an ACL, you have a rough timetable yep. for how long they're going to be out. Concussions, you have no idea. And here's the thing. With these two, here I'm going to put on my PhD hat here for a second. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> with with concussions too, right? It's not a it's not a linear progression. You can wake up two or three days in a row and feel fine and then wake up on the fourth or fifth day and all of a sudden have headaches the whole day. Yeah. There is no again, it is just it's such a unknown. There's so much gray area when it comes to these head injuries and and I think too what plays into this is rightfully so. We're more in tune to these things in 2019 than we ever have been in, in any sport. Right. Every sport has concussion spotters now, and they're extra careful with this stuff. And like I said, rightfully so. And again, too, you said it. When you factor in the fact that it's a bye week next week, you're going to have two weeks now, to, and even some extra time since it's a Monday night game after you come back from and the bye week. it's the Dolphins. That's probably... <laughs> it's the Dolphins. It, it, it's, it, uh, that's the other thing, is that even the game after that, you could probably start Devin Hodges and still feel confident. Like, yeah, the Steelers could pull that off. Right. And to, I forget who was talking about this. Maybe it was Mike Pursuta on the DVE Morning Show, but I heard somebody brought this up uh, yesterday that if you look historically when quarterbacks come back from head injuries, their first game back always traditionally isn't their best performance. Right. Whether it be because of the time they missed, whether it be because maybe they're still, it's kind of in the back of their mind a little bit. They got to get back comfortable out on the football field after taking, you know, a big hit, Wh- whatever it may be. There's statistical evidence that shows quarterbacks who come back from head injuries mm-hmm. typically aren't at their best their first week back. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have that be on the road against the Chargers or at home against the Miami Dolphins? Exactly. And, and, and when you're on the road, the Chargers haven't played their best football this year, but they still got dangerous guys. They got Inger and Bosa on, you know, up, up front. Um, you know, in, in Wuosu, who's, who's been bringing heat for them. They got Desmond King and Casey Hayward. They, they got threats on defense, and you don't need to make Jason Mason Rudolph go through a whole lot of things. You know, Devin Hodges, he he did he did all right in his in his first NFL appearance. Yeah, you know they got points on the board while he was on the field. So I I think this is even just beyond a team standard. I think you got to protect Mason Rudolph just because of the health of the individual. Mark agrees with us. He says don't mess with a head injury. Exactly. Devin chimes in here saying bring Mason back after the bye. Honestly, with this improved defense and Duck, we got a chance to should be able to. Devin even says should be able to beat San Diego. Uh, so I, I, I'm I'm with I'm with the people on this one too. How then, right? 
and again, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion, but we're kind of uh, thinking that it's going to be Duck Dynasty, Mr. Devlin Hodges. And I think, again, too, if you listen to Coach Tomlin's press conference yesterday, you can kind of connect some of the dots there. Chris, what is the uh, the best friend, the best uh, whoopee for a young, inexperienced quarterback? The best whoopee. You got that from Dale, didn't you? That's like He always says that about every quarterback. I don't know where that comes from because – I've heard it. I've heard it attributed to Dale Lolly, mm-hmm. of course, uh, SNR colleague here and a colleague yes. of yours at DK Pittsburgh Sports as well. I've heard it attributed to Adam Crowley. I asked Adam about it one time. He said he got it from Wolfley. <laughs> so I, I don't know who came up with the whoopee here. Well, that's a that's a mystery to find out here on SNR someday. We'll have to do some deep dive, invest some some real hardcore <laughs> journalism, some Big J journalism one day. Well, if I was to answer your question, who would be his whoopee? You got to think Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, he found him for some nice passes over the middle in this last game. You know, Vance McDonald comes to mind because he can be the big target for him. Uh, but I, I also think Devlin Hodges prefers – if I see my one-on-one shot, I'm going to take it. You know, I watched a lot of college tape before he even we, – we, we were even talking about it. I watched it just in the preseason just because I'm like, oh, he looked interesting in training camp. Let me see. Oh, wow, yeah, this guy slings it a lot. I think he likes the guys that get one-on-one down the field and let me give them a chance to win a jump ball. And I don't think there's anyone on this team that that goes after jump balls better than Juju Smith-Schuster. Vance McDonald's up there, but Juju's he just he he is a physical at the point of the catch type of fighter. He's a combat catch winner. And I think that that's something that Devlin Hodges will be happy to go after. Um, and I'll say this, and we'll get this into, into my winning Carter's classroom. The guy's poised. He, there were several times the Ravens brought the house, and he just stood in the pocket and said, "Yeah, but I'm still looking at my read here." So I think his I think his Whoopi is going to be his are going to be his biggest playmakers and the guys that he know are going to make the tough catches, and that could really work out for the Steelers. Let me raise you this: the best Whoopi for Devin Hodges, Devlin Hodges. Any young quarterback who comes in the National Football League okay. is a successful run game. Oh, you cheated. That's not, that doesn't count. We will talk about how the Steelers can get that run game going when we return. He's Chris Carter. I'm Wesley Euler on Twitter, at Carter Critiques, at Wesley Euler. Talk a little bit about this run game. James Conner, the offensive line, and Benny Snell, how they can all get it going and help Devlin out in San Diego when we return. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. How can the Pittsburgh Steelers get this run game going, especially now in the absence of of Jalen Samuels, you got to think that takes most of, if not all, their wildcat-type options off the table. So, Mr. Carter, we've seen just a lot of hot and cold from the Steelers' run game mm-hmm. so far this season. Yep, um, lots of cold, lots, of cold. lots of yeah, maybe more, maybe more, <laughs> cold, maybe more cold than like hot. Certainly, mild, mildly room temperature. <laughs> Certainly more cold than we all expected coming into this season when we thought the run game would really be a strength of this team. Right. Uh, when we saw what James Conner and that offensive line were capable to do of doing last year, we thought Jalen Samuels would only take a step forward. You saw him in the Patriots game at the end of the season really seemingly figure it out. Yep. Quote, unquote, figure it out. That moment that all rookies need. Mm-hmm. 
how now, brown cow, how now, <laughs> especially again in the fa- in the face of going into San Diego to take on the... I did it! Dang it! Yeah, I did yeah, it! Yeah, yeah, it's okay, man. I it's knew okay. I was going to do it it's at okay, some man. point don't, this week. <laughs> don't kill yourself. Every I'm telling you, I've heard it three times in the past day. <laughs> now going into Los Angeles, California, with a guy who was your fourth string quarterback in training camp. Mm-hmm. Chris Carter, from the keen eye that is your own. How can the Steelers best go about getting this run game going, uh, forcing the Chargers defense in onward, but starting with the Chargers defense to to really stay honest, not be able to pack the box as much as we've seen some of these teams do in the past, yep. and obviously how that all relates to, to helping Devlin Hodges. So a lot of this is going to have to come from uh, the Steelers being willing to to try and back off the Chargers. Can they take their take take some shots early to back them off? You know, I wrote about this for weeks, and I've said it on this show. How you know how many teams were just loading up the box, saying "Come at us, come at me, bro!" with the, you know with the run game, and the Steelers, whenever they tried to run into it, it just didn't work. And as much as people want to say, "Oh, you got to impose your will," you can't let other teams tell you what you're going to do. You can't run with nine in the box. It just it just doesn't happen that way. That's the, the but that's when the good teams. You don't even need a great quarterback. Just play action. Those guys will, will get sucked up. Hit them behind that, and then they'll start to slow down a little bit. And they did that horizontally against the Bengals. That's one of the genius moves I thought was was it was against the Bengals was that they didn't do it with the vertical passing with Mason Rowe. They did it by forcing like, oh crap, we got to defend all the way over here on the edge and all the way over there on the edge. And oh man, and then we oh we gave up the nine hole. Yeah, you know. Just, yeah. But uh, but there's no such thing as a nine hole. I don't know why I said that. But um, <laughs> in hockey there is. And it, that's a, that's another sport. We're not going to get into that. But also shout out to the Alaskan Caps fan. Yeah. What's uh, uh what? Ala- we Alaskan Cavs fan tweeted us giving us the official definition for a Wobby, which we appreciate it. And he adds, here we go, Steelers, here we go. So we're assuming he's a Steelers fan. Yeah. But Alaskan Cavs fan, you like the Caps? In, in Alaska? What 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 There's got to be a story man? there. There's got to be a story there. You could tweet us that you could tweet at us and let us know Alaskan Cavs fan. And thank thank you for listening. Uh but we we do know what what a Wobby is. We're just saying we we don't know who here in the studio started using Yeah, within using the, the iHeart family, yeah, who was the first, first to like, bring the term Wobby? Cuz now we all use it. We do. But it's um, widespread. <laughs> <laughs> but but getting back to this running game, one thing that I think also will factor back into it that needed to factor in when he was available is the return of Roosevelt Nix. Yes, that guy's going to be back in the lineup. You know that J- that James that James Connor he's going to be looking forward to just running running north and south, getting some power runs going. And I think the Steelers you, you've seen them use use that a little bit more. They mm-hmm. recognize where they've been they've been trying to mold him to be more of a zone attacking running back. That's out the window. I think and, and that's the one unfortunate thing that with Jalen Samuels is that's what that's what his strength was and right. Connor was the power runner. So, but with Nicks, maybe you can do that a little bit more and with Hodges, you know, if he takes some of those downfield shots and scares the defense, Maybe that backs them off and allows that power offense to get going. But I think this is all about you got to show defenses you're willing to th- do have multiple threats that force linebackers and safeties to think about it. And again, you know, whereas the the Chargers they do have scary guys on defense, they're still missing Derwin James, who is their best player on defense. That guy is a freak, and he is maybe the best safety in all of football. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because that he just had a rookie season. That's all we're basing this on, mm-hmm. and still he was that good he last was year. That Good. It was like it was like Quentin Nelson's rookie year at guard. It's like, well, that might that guy probably going to be the best offensive guard in for the next ten years. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think there's a really chance that they could still balance out their offense with some deep shots, and then 
as the game gets a little bit longer and you've hit them with, with those deep shots and now they're a little hesitant and now you get some downhill running game because a little more fatigued. Line, right. And then the fatigue starts to set in and they're like, crap, now we have to worry about behind us and they're hitting us, they're smacking us in the mouth. That's how you confuse a team. That's how you, you know, wear down a defense. And then eventually you start breaking off those bigger runs. What type of spin do you expect from Benny Snell Sunday night in Los Angeles? Is it going to be a return to what we saw a lot of at times last year where it was seemingly James Conner's ball? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you expect mm-hmm. Benny Snell to, to to get sprinkled in there? A I think bit? he's going to get some sprinkles. I, I think that they want to give James Conner a reprieve now and then. The biggest thing, though, is that James Conner against the Ravens, when Devlin Hodges, and even when, when Mason Ruff was in, they were bringing heat. They were blitzing Earl Thomas. They were blitzing extra guys off the edge, up the middle. Connor was picking them all up. Now, he wasn't, like, flattening them like Le'Veon Bell used to, but he was the man back there. And that's the position where Snell has shown that he can do that, but when you got a proven pedigree, pedigree guy that's going to protect basically your last quarterback, I mean, sure, they got Paxton Lynch on the practice squad, but... I mean, at this point, they're already in a really tough spot. You can't. Yeah, and Jalen Samuels was their emergency quarterback. <laughs> right, right. That, that's that's where they exactly they, they are. They are so far that's behind. That's how dire there. things are at the quarterback situation right, right. now. And I just think a lot of the place where you traditionally see the power back go is on third down, and that's where you could see Jalen Samuels pop in because of his receiving skills. But with the need to protect their quarterback and against a team that brings heat like the Chargers uh, did, well, he did last year. They haven't brought as much heat this year, but a, a team like that. I think James Conner is going to get a lot more of a look in this game. I do think they will spell him with Snell to give him a breather on certain run plays and see if he can bust one loose. You mentioned, right, that you had watched tape on Devlin Hodges' his college days. Yes. So I know we're going to get more into that kind of in the next couple segments, but I want to know how this relates to the run game, or as this relates to the run game, I should say. Yeah. Was he is he a guy who's operated primarily out of shotgun? Is he a guy who has experience going under center? Do you expect in I almost did it again in Los Angeles yeah. on Sunday uh, that we will see more of running out of shotgun sidecar handoffs like we've seen this season, or do you think we could see a return to more under center uh, James Conner in a traditional setting? I think you'll see him get a lot more shotgun because of his height. He's six foot one, and that's just a reality as far as you need sometimes that space to process the field in front of you. And he can run under center. I'm not saying that they will, they will absolutely not do it, but I think he'll be more comfortable getting some space behind his offensive line to look over the defense and see where everyone is and uh, and get a feel for the game. And that's what you know, watching him at Sanford. Well, that's when he was at his best. When he could, I mean, there were sometimes he would just be like, he'd look, he'd point, he'd fake one way, throw that way, th- throw the way that he pointed. I mean, it was just. That that's where his comfort zone is. I think that's where they're going to have to use. Now, also the thing is, is when you go in shotgun, that takes away James Conner's biggest strength of being a power runner. So that's I think is their struggle is trying to balance that out. I think you'll see both, but I think you'll see Devin Hodges be a lot more comfortable from running that shotgun. Interesting. See, that's why I like have that mix. Have that mix, man. You're you're a learned man, I tell you. That's why I enjoy having you around here. Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes. A whole bunch we got to get here, too, as well. I want to talk with you about some stuff on the defensive side of the football, too. Because I do think we've spent most of the, you know, this first half an hour and change uh, talking about the offense and the run game and some of the injuries to the wide receivers and Devlin Hodges. And we're going to get back into Duck Dynasty when we go into Carter's classroom. 
So maybe let's, when we come back here, talk a little positivity. <laughs> yeah? Uh, yeah? I, I yeah, think it works. was encouraging to see Vince Williams back. I think that helps the defense the rest of the year. We saw with those three healthy interior linebackers what the Steelers mm-hmm. were able to do, how that could continue. And I just think, too, Chris, and this was alluded to uh, by Devin, who, who tweeted us earlier, the identity of this team now going forward has to be the defense. If, if they're going to win games, if they're going to stay in the AFC North race, if they're going to play meaningful football in right. November, in December, the defense is going to have to win the way, have to lead the way. The defense is going to have to be one of the best, if not, you know, an elite unit in the National Football League. So let's Great. talk about the defense when we return on Twitter. Again, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. You are inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the Electric Factory, our friend Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes on a Wednesday. That can only mean one thing. Coming up here in about 20 minutes at 1 o'clock. Yes, it is. Carter's Classroom. Get I your, love it. Get your handy-dandy notebooks out, y'all. Those of you familiar with Chris Carter's work at DK Pittsburgh Sports will certainly know the fantastic due diligence <laughs> that is Carter's Classroom. We're going to talk a little bit about Mr. Duck Dynasty, Devlin Hodges himself, when we go into the classroom yes, here in about 20 minutes. But before, you know, it's been an offensively dominated show. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. You're, you know, on your third string quarterback, a guy who was your fourth stringer at training camp. Yep. Uh, James Washington hurt. Jalen Samuels hurt. Yep. A, a run game that has left much to be desired so far through five games this season. Mm-hmm. But let's talk some positivity here, Mr. Carter. Yep. And uh, I said... Last week, when I I was doing a show with Tim Benz from the Bottle Shop uh, over in Collier Township, and he, you know, Benzy, he isn't exactly always the most uh, upbeat and positive person like we are <laughs> from time to time. You know, he could be a little more glass half empty. Indeed. Um, and so he asked me at this point, uh, the Steelers were one and three. The Steelers had come off that win against the Bengals. He said, if you're hanging your hat on this team still being successful this year. You know where where you ha- if if you've got hope that this team is still going to be able to win nine games, contend for a division, all those things that we've talked about. Uh, where are you hanging your hat? And I told him, man, I really do. I-, I wanted to kind of deny it at first because I thought maybe I was just being a little too optimistic. Maybe I was searching for some positivity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I was searching for something to be glass half full about. Understandable. In the wake of the Ben the Ben Roethlisberger news and the and the Steelers having uh, losing some close games early in the season. I said the defense. I said I'm cautiously optimistic when saying this, but I think they can be or maybe even should be one of the best units in the league and truly an elite defense in the context of what that means in 2019, mm-hmm. right? We know that the days of uh, the 2009 Steelers and Ravens type defenses, right? It's yeah. just it's not it's not you can't do that. You anymore. can't do that anymore and hold teams to 7 points and no. 10 points every single weekend and week out like those teams did. Right. But this defense, man, they've got talent everywhere. 
the secondary, which seems like something as Steelers fans we've been talking about for <laughs> a decade needing to improve. Or not Maybe not a decade, but ever since Troy Polamalu left, needing to really improve, needing a playmaker. Now suddenly you're loving what Steven Nelson's doing and hoping that he is, is healthy and nothing too serious when we're talking about injuries. Joe Hayden, of course, everybody knows what he brings to the table. Terrell Edmonds looking much, 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 much more comfortable. And obviously the playmaker, the talent that is Minka Fitzpatrick, kind of maybe being the glue to bring everything together there on the mm-hmm. back end. Mm-hmm. The return of Vince Williams this week. Uh, you company that with it looks like Devin Bush is getting more and more comfortable every week, and then we know what T.J. Watt's been doing, what Stephon Tuitt's been doing. Bud has shown flashes. Cam Hayward is Cam Hayward. I, I am confident that this defense, despite what's going on with the offense, and now granted, I should say the offense certainly can't be out there. I like we saw San Francisco do against the Steelers, turn the ball over five times. The offense has to keep the Steelers in games. The offense can't put the Steelers behind the eight ball. But I think this defense is going to be capable as long as the offense doesn't adversely affect their situation to keep the Steelers in games at least while the offense tries to figure out what it is at this point. No, absolutely. And the offense has to not just put up points and not turn up the ball, turn over the ball. They have to sustain some drives. Even if you're talking about a nice 6-minute drive where you just get a field goal. In in this in this time right now when you, they do need touchdowns. But in this time right now when you're dealing with the quarterback situation you're dealing with, that's kind of what you need sometimes is, hey, you know what? Defense just gave up a score. Let's give them a break. Let's give them some time to recoup and not just send them right back out there. So that's one of the bigger challenges. I want to pose to you, Look, let's look at like their, the defensive numbers for the Steelers because mm-hmm. they've ranked low in a lot of things. But where they rank really high, in fact, number one in the NFL is forced turnovers. They have 12. They're tied with the New England Patriots. In the top five in that category, you got the Patriots and the Steelers at one. You got the Niners and the Packers at two, at, at basically at three, at third place with uh, with 11. And then in fifth, tied for fifth are the Bears and the Buccaneers. Now, uh, at the of those six teams, because you got two tied for fifth, mm-hmm. the Steelers have given up the, the, uh, the fifth most points at, with 114. The, the, the Buccaneers are the only team to give up more with 148. But you look at it, even over the Buccaneers, they've had to play more plays on defense than any of those teams. The Patriots had 293, that's what, roughly 56 less less, less plays. The, the Niners have 227, that's over 100 less plays their defense has had to be mm-hmm. on the field. That's a significant factor, Wes, as to far as you know what you're asking for this defense to do. Every they got to stop. Oh well, guess what? You got to get another one. You got another stop. Oh, guess what? You got to get another one. You force a turnover. Oh, guess what? And then eventually they're gonna crack. And yeah, and there's sometimes that's not always the case why the other team scores. But you saw in the Seahawks game. They crumbled late because the Seahawks just kept getting Russell Wilson. He's going to figure you out. Niners game. You kept putting him back out there. James Conner fumbled at the end of the game. You you keep putting him back out there. A defense is eventually going to lose in today's NFL. That's part of where the offense can help the defense right now. But let's talk about where they're doing well, Wes, because they just had three interceptions in a single game. I don't know when the last time they did that. Yeah, That's a good point. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, I want to go back, too, and look what their record is in one-score games over the last one-and-a-half-ish seasons compared to the one-and-a-half, two years prior. Sometimes those things just regress to the means, but I think what you just mentioned there is a big part of it too where we even saw this, and it it came back to being closer, but there was one point early in the second quarter in that game Sunday against Baltimore where this Ravens' time of possession was like 14 minutes to four. Yeah. 
I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how many turnovers your defense forces. If you're if the other team is dominating possession like that, they're always going to have their opportunities. Your defense is always going to get fatigued. Yep. Uh, you saw it against Seattle. They ran 20 more plays yep. in the Seattle defense, I believe. San Francisco, they ran 22 mm-hmm. more plays mm-hmm. than the Niners defense. And I guess, too, I was talking positivity and things that encourage me and all this does. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> but it's also maddening at the same time, right? Yeah. Because the Steelers have won the turnover battle in four games this season. And they've only won one of those games. They've lost three of them. Yep. The rest of the National Football League, Chris, when they win the turnover margin. Hit me with it. 37-8-1. Oof. The Steelers account for three of those eight losses and only one of those 37 wins. Yep. And when I look at that, that's telling me that, and obviously, I mean, I think any Steelers fan can say this, you need, it's obvious when you're down, your your Hall of Fame quarterback and the guy you thought was going to be your second wide receiver coming into the year and the guy you thought was going to be your third wide receiver coming into the year, and you've had issues at the tight end position in the injury department as well, too. It's There's a lot of of hills to overcome. Kind of like I said at the beginning of this segment, the offense doesn't need to win games like maybe they did at times when you know when this was the killer bees Pittsburgh Steelers they just need to put the defense in a continued position to be and stay successful yeah I mean the, right now this, the Steelers defense is their best unit and, and to go into what you were just saying about about time of possession yeah they had that that 14 to 4 lead that that lead increased throughout the game they finished the, the Ravens finished with the ball having the ball 39 minutes cool. of a 60 minute game the Steelers had it for 25 minutes um that's that that means they basically had an extra quarter of football to be on the field than the Steelers did. You can't afford that kind of stuff. Now, granted, the Steelers almost won in that situation, mm-hmm. which I think is a testament to how good the defense no doubt. is. No and doubt. You go back and look at those interceptions. Mika Fitzpatrick jumping up on, on a pass over the middle, getting it tipped, and Cam Kelly doing exactly what they hoped that he would is just being a floater in the middle of the field. Found a way to catch the ball. That's what he did in the AAF. That's what he. That's mm-hmm. what he was known for. You know, in colleges, you preseason know, t- and training camp, and, and pre- yeah, yeah, just taking advantage of those type of moments. Then you had Mike Hilton playing an underneath flat route, yeah. jumping back and baiting Lamar Jackson into an, uh, to throwing over top, and he got that interception. And the most beautiful of all was Devin Bush's, where he's covering Mark Andrews way down the field. Where Andrews does have a height advantage, but because he's challenging Andrews, Andrews he he has to leave his feet, and the ball bounces off his hands, and Bush snags it immediately. There's just those are the type of plays that yeah they have those X factor guys now that they can go and win those battles. And Mike Hilton's been there, but still, you know when you have other guys that are doing their job so well, like Stephen Nelson, who's mm-hmm. you know and he's another guy that was on the injury report, uh, you know on Tuesday that I think that they they absolutely need him to be healthy against these Chargers. But when you have guys like like him and Hayden on the outside. And and the quarterbacks are ha- not getting just the easy reads. Like, oh man, they, uh, I beat you. I, that guy's got Cody sense of ball beat. I'm going right there. Um, when you take that away, you give these other guys chances to attack the football, and that's when you see these turnovers. And that's that's all we've been saying, Wes. That's what that's what everyone's been saying. And I've, I've been saying since well before the season. I think you give this defense until week eight. Week eight, we're almost there. They're gonna be scary. It was very encouraging. Listen, I think. Anyone who was being realistic, right, expected a bit of some type of an adjustment period, if you will, for the first time that they were going to be seeing Lamar over the mm-hmm. weekend. I think you expected that it's it's a unique offense. He's a unique quarterback. Yeah, You don't see anybody else like that in the National Football League, really. 
uh, which is funny to say for someone that's in your division that right. you play two times a year, but they didn't see Lamar Jackson last year. Joe Flacco was the starter in both mm-hmm. of those games against the Ravens. Okay, so they come out their first three possessions and they end up with 17, 17 points, the Ravens do. Mm-hmm. But then after that, it was turnover, punt, turnover, yep. punt. Mm-hmm. And legitimately, after their first three possessions of the game, the Ravens really only earned three points the rest of the game. And yeah. that kind of relates back to we've seen that too many times now where the Steelers have lost games because a turnover by the offense put the defense in an adverse situation. You saw that in San Francisco. You saw that uh, in uh, at Heinz Field against Baltimore, pardon me. If the offense can not do that, if they cannot put the defense in adverse situations, I think at worst, again, the Steelers are going to be in all these games. They're going to have a chance in all these games. Because I think the defense is that good, and they're going to... I don't think it's a question of can they make plays anymore. I don't think it's a question of, oh, they got to have more splash. I think the question is just when the splash is coming, and I I think they've proven that over the last three, four weeks. No, I agree. I think the splash is, is definitely coming. Uh, it, it, again, the offense giving them better chances to win, not turning the ball over, uh, and also the communication is a, is is a lot better. You know, there yeah. was there were some interesting interesting moments for this defense where early on you saw them jumping out of their zones. There was one really bad play where I saw it live. Uh, at you know, I was in the press box in Heinz Field, just seeing Mark Barron. He was playing his zone. He sees Mark Andrews run like a little hitch, and he just tries to jump all over the hitch. And he, but he vacates his zone to do so. And then Andrews is like, okay. And then he crosses his face, just drags across the route. Now Lamar Jackson's got a wide open tight end in the middle of the field, and it's like that's not a, that's not Keith Butler saying, hey, go go abandon your uh, <laughs> right. assignment. That's Mark Barron. You, you can't do that, even you know. And, and you know the thing is, that's one of those plays where hey, if if Jackson had 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 throwing it right to the sure he might have made a play but he didn't and that's what you have to look at like yeah you messed that one up um and uh, I think that that's part of the chemistry of the workout is to be able to trust each other. Like, hey, I don't need to run out of my zone to help over there. Right. I, you know, Devin's got that. Assignment integrity. Exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great you like that's, that? a, that's some great vocabulary right there from West Eula. That's that West Virginia knowledge. Woo! Mountaineers, uh, baby. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so that's what, the, that's what they have to really work on. And you saw that as the game went on. I talked to Bud Dupree after the game. They said, we really just settled in. He told me, he was telling me, like, yeah, man, like, you know, like he was like, with Lamar Jackson. And they had a plan. They kind of had to adjust that because you know there's always the plan of how you how you go out there and how you deal with a fast quarterback that can also throw the ball. But when you get into the situation, that's when you start to actually like learn. Like, okay, this was our plan. We're gonna either stick to it or gonna mend it. And that's what they did. They shut him down. They sacked him four times or five times, I think, in this game. Maybe four. I think it was four times. But I think four. Yeah. Yeah. But they they sacked him four times. Picked him three times. You know, th- if you if you asked for that going into this game, you probably thought you know that's we a would good- all sign for that in blood. Exactly. Yeah. You'd, you'd get that. And it's part of the communication. It's part of the, the improvements they've been making, Wes, and I think that are going a long way. And again, you're still Minka Fitzpatrick. This is what game three for him. Mm-hmm. He's only going to get better. Devin Bush, you're seeing him make plays, and uh, and we have not said his name yet in this show. And I apologize because I, I wrote about him in Carter's classroom. But Vince Williams, my goodness, what a return he had to the field! Nine tackles, led the team in just 52 snaps, had a pass broken up, and sacked the quarterback. He made his presence felt, and even when he wasn't necessarily, you know, just, you know, get, getting the sack, there was one tackle for loss he had on Mark Ingram, 
where the Ravens did one of their power plays where they pulled their left guard mm-hmm. and they sent their tight end over and Vince Williams recognized it, jumped in front of it and submarined the guard, then the tight end and then tackled Ingram with TJ Watt in the backfield, which was my imp- most impressive play of the day from him. I'm like, gosh, that's what they've needed on this defense. He's the Roosevelt Knicks of the defense. He goes in, he's the battering ram, he disrupts offense offenses, and he really helps against the run game. And I think that was a welcome presence against the Ravens and will be a welcome presence for the rest of the season. I, I totally agree with you. Particularly t- still, because they've got to go up against a lot of teams that fancy themselves as, as you know, running teams that want to establish mm-hmm. the run, the power mm-hmm. run. Yep. And and Vince Williams, you can tell you saw it firsthand the difference he makes in general, but particularly against teams that have that offensive philosophy. Twitter, chi- Twitter, Tanner chimes in here on <laughs> Twitter. That's a lot of T's. Twitter on Tanner on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Carter Critiques. Hearing Carter Critiques say the Steelers' defense will be scary by week eight, coincidentally the week before Halloween. Awesome. Dun, dun, this dun. is what I've come to expect from the Electric Factory. That's a good that's a good uh, observation there by Tanner. When we come back here, the passion will continue from Chris Carter as we're going to go inside Carter's classroom. We mentioned it there. This defense is good enough to play with anybody, to keep the Steelers in a competition over 60 minutes with anybody. But they're going to need the offense to be able to sustain drives. They're going to need the offense to be able to eat up some clock and keep them off the field. They're going to be, or they're going to need the offense to keep them out of adverse situations. So how does that all happen? How does that relate to the quarterback who we think will be making his first National Football League start one, Devlin Hodges? We will go inside Carter's classroom when we return here. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Inside the Electric Factory, Wesley Euler, Chris Carter in for Arthur Motes on a Wednesday afternoon. How's everybody doing? I think everyone's doing fine. It's, well, it's, that's good. It's hump day! And anytime Chris Carter is in the building with us, you know that that means one thing. We are going to go inside Carter's classroom. No better time than now. Chris... You told me today. I was surprised, you know, because I know you have some PTSD in this building and the shows that go on in this building when it comes to one Devlin Hodges. Oh, Lord. I promise you I won't play any duck sounds in the background. I mean, I might go (laughs) a couple times, but I promise you. like the penguin. (laughs) There'll be no self-sabotage here. Let's uh, let's go inside Carter's classroom, and I know today uh, you want to talk about number six, who is seemingly going to become QB number one. The man from Alabama, the duck champion, duck call champion, uh, the guy who had to earn a spot in training camp at rookie minicamp, now a starter out in Los Angeles, seemingly one Devlin Hodges. Yeah, Devlin Hodges right now. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to just break down the things that he did well against the Ravens because ultimately for a you know, for any quarterback that was making their first appearance in the NFL, that was a good that was a good showing. 
And uh, especially when, but, but especially when you're an undrafted rookie quarterback who was a fourth string guy in camp, who was cut from the roster and then signed back simply because of the Ben Roethlisberger situation, mm-hmm. that was as good as as good as you could you could hope for. Seven of nine on sixty for seven seven of nine on for sixty eight yards, a passer rating of ninety eight point one, and he had two rushes for twenty yards. Really it was just he had one rush for twenty one yards on a huge second down that set them up in field goal range for one of their for, for one of the scores. And they scored ten points while he was on the field. That is impressive for him. So let's get into the things that are working. For Devlin Hodges, and starting off, we're gonna look. If you go, if you go to Next Gen Stats and you look up the the the, the passing charts of how of how passes, you, you know, that's something that we've been doing with Mason Rudolph. But one thing I noticed was that of Devlin Hodges' seven passes, four of them were be, were, were 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 through the air nine yards or more. Meaning he he the ball traveled through the air at least nine air yards, yards. Uh, air yards and those are so important because that's what stretches the field vertically. Mason Rudolph in any of his three appearances again or four appearances against the Seahawks, the Niners, the Bengals, and now the Ravens, the most he had thrown he had thrown in a game was three, and he's had some in, in, in higher some entire games. Um, so that was impressive to me that Hodges was able to, to do that. But let's get into how that sort of came to be throughout the game. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Inside the Electric Factory, Wesley Euler, Chris Carter with you here on a Wednesday afternoon. And those of you familiar with the program, Wednesday afternoon, it always means one thing. It's time for Best of the West Wednesday, Chris. And I think, is this, this is the first time you've sat in on a Wednesday? Yeah, it's the first time. I've listened to it a bunch of times, but okay. this is the first time I'm here for it. Let's do it. So, I mean, this is a pretty simple concept, right? Yeah. I power rank you 10 best teams in the National Football League right at this moment as it stands. And I'll give you my first, you know... My next two receiving votes, if you will. Um, and I should tell you too, right? Listeners know this. Most knows this. Um, this is kind of meant to be a little hyperbolic. Mm-hmm. Like these are true power rankings in the sense of not necessarily how I project these teams at the end of the year, but how I think right they're playing right now. Yeah. At this very moment, on this day, Wednesday, October 9th, the year of our Lord, 2019, and typically with these things, people like to start from the back and work to the front, but not here, my friend. We start at the top of the mountain. Oh, really? And, I mean, as much as it pains me to continue to do this, I don't think I'm shocking anybody. You're picking the Browns. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, the Miami Dolphins, number one, best team in the league. Uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, you got to. I mean, at least until they lose a game. or they, They've shown that they're maybe not exactly the bulletproof monster that they looked like the first you know, two or three weeks of the season. 
Uh, but undefeated, defending champions. And they have the highest point. They, they have a point differential of 121 right now. Man, they scored 155 insane. points, which I believe is the most points in the NFL. Or no, the second most to, to the Ravens. They, they, they actually, the Ravens have okay. the, uh, are the number one scoring offense. But they also have given up 34 points, which is the number one defense in the league. That's insane. Now, granted, they've had some weak opponents, including the Steelers. Um, but they, you know, they. But still, you gotta credit they've done their job in their games. That's why I think that's a very good ranking on your part, Wes. Number one. And they've got some more layups to come. Certainly, they still get. They got the Giants tonight at home. They got the uh, oh, yeah, Jets. They play the Dolphins again. Oh, yeah. They play the Jets again. Mm-hmm. I guess the the Bills again could be a tough game. But now the Bills have to go to Dude, New England. That's just a rough. For anybody, I've still got the Patriots. Unfortunately, sitting at five and zero, mm-hmm. as much as it pains me. Who's number two, though, at number one. This is maybe a surprise. Making their highest appearance of the season on the rankings. Drum roll, please. The New Orleans Saints. That's not a surprise. That that that's your surprise. I had I have the Saints as my number one. Sometimes, like, come on, man, you are shocking nobody with that one. <laughs> well, hey, you know, because people <laughs> thought maybe the Chiefs. I don't know. I got the Saints. I mean, as much as listen, I know you've probably picked up on this and certainly our loyal listeners have anybody who's listened to the show for more than 15 minutes knows that i do not like sean payton mm-hmm. i'm in fact the president of the sean payton haters club what did he do to you everything that transpired last year in the uh, nfc championship game <laughs> you know it was the, the reason they lost that game was just because of one call no i see what you're saying you know when they got and we had to change balls. the whole rule book and yeah. okay i see what you're open saying. up a whole can of worms oh, Oh, can of horse. Yes, all these. Just because they couldn't hold a lead after the two minute warning with the ball in Rams territory. Just because they couldn't win a game where they got the ball first in overtime. Just where they couldn't win a game where they had, what, a 13 <laughs> point first half lead? I, I don't like Sean this Payton. Is, this is I also pick. think, too. Okay. And I think this might endear myself to some members of Steeler Nation. But again, people have heard this. It's not the first time I've said this, but I'll tell you. I think. For whatever reason, Sean Payton ducks a lot of criticism that Mike McCarthy got hammered with in Green Bay and that Mike Tomlin always gets hammered with here in Pittsburgh. Very fair. Oh, look at your roster. You haven't won enough. What are you, you, You're underachieving. Okay, well, where were those three straight seven to nine seasons yeah, that's where I was for the go. Saints? Where's those no Super Bowl appearances now and, and how long? I mean, when I would argue yeah. Drew Brees is just as good, if not better, than a lot of these other guys that we're talking about. One of the top five quarterbacks ever, maybe. They've certainly had a really good roster. I I I don't like and, and oh, not to mention all the Bounty Gate stuff that happened. I've just never been a huge Sean Payton fan. I think you saw it earlier this year, right? Was it mm-hmm. their the only game that they lost? I'm trying to think. Now I'm drawing a blank. But there was a game earlier this year already in this season where Sean Payton was complaining about the officiating and claiming that it was costing them games. Again, I'm not a big fan, but I think he's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, and I do think his team is playing fantastic right now 3-0 and without Drew Brees you can't knock that my, my man Teddy Bridgewater beat yeah How and I'm, I'm happy guy? for I'm happy to see him have success a guy who's been through a lot in his NFL career and certainly that devastating injury where a lot of people thought that that could have been it for him uh, happy to see him having success the Saints I've got him at number two number three I've got those Kansas City Chiefs got to. Um, I think you know some of their weaknesses some of their downfalls um, we're exposed by the Colts. Yeah, we're uh, a tough team right now. The Colts, man, I tell you what, they're fun to watch. They are, and I've got all the respect in the world for Frank Reich. I, I think, especially in the face of everything that happened to that team with Andrew losing Andrew Luck, Luck in the, uh, two weeks, but uh, ten days before the season started, yeah. to still be able to have some of the success that they're having now. Uh, they gave the Chiefs. <laughs> 
maybe a, a dose of uh, a dose of tough medicine out there at Arrowhead. Maybe knock the Chiefs down a little bit, a peg down a little bit. I know there's certainly some concerns still with that Chiefs defense. I know that everybody's got their concerns when it comes to Andy Reid in the playoffs. But I've got the Chiefs uh, with that talented offense with Patrick Mahomes at number three on my best of the West rankings. We got. Num- the Chiefs. That was the Chiefs. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, 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 my yeah, bad, Chiefs my bad, number my three. bad. <laughs> number four, uh, this might be their highest appearance of the season as well, too. I've got the Green Bay Packers. That's fair. I, uh, I like Everybody that. knows Aaron Rodgers is, is my guy. I think Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. Uh, I, He's a bad man. I think that defense in, in Green Bay looks legit. Uh, their only loss on a Thursday to the Eagles, another very talented team, and that game came down to the wire. Uh, man, Aaron Rodgers, just the mayor, the governor, whatever of Dallas. It's like every time he goes down to Jerry World, he's their kryptonite. He breaks their hearts. He really is their kryptonite. Uh, and and speaking of teams that got knocked down a peg this week, we'll, we'll get oh, to the boy. Dallas Cowboys. Did, did they? Uh, but I think too, what's encouraging is Aaron Rodgers until this past week hadn't necessarily lit the world on fire. Right. He had been playing just okay. Yeah. And they're still four and one. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers is only going to get better. I, I think with Matt Lafleur, he'll get more comfortable with that offense. Aaron Jones looks like he's busting out. That offensive line mm-hmm. is playing really mm-hmm. strong. I've got the Packers at number four. Very good pick. Number five, the Seattle Seahawks. This is also, I think, the highest I've had them on. They floated around probably seven, eight, nine on my list most of the year. I just you tell me if I'm being too hyperbolic right here. Okay, the discussion all season has been. Which quarterback would you take right now if you only had to? If you're just trying to win one game, do you want Mahomes or do you want Tom Brady? Right, right? that's been the discussion. Mahomes or Tom Brady? Mahomes or Tom Brady? I saw ESPN posted another article about it today. Mahomes or Tom Brady? Right. Is it too hyperbolic to say that if I'm trying to win one game in the National Football League right now, I want Russell Wilson as my quarterback right now? No, that's not hyperbolic. At all. I agree with you. And I, I had the Saints winning the NFC West this year before the season. People call me crazy. Dale Lolly thought I was crazy, uh, but uh, the Seahawks. Uh, they're they're tough. As long as Russell Wilson's your quarterback, man, you got a shot to win the game. They're well coached. They're well, yeah. Pete Carroll's Pete Carroll's the man, and and they're not falling apart on defense right now. I think right. that's, that's the biggest thing. They're not great on defense, but they all they, 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 you know, on like the flip side of the Steelers. All you need to do is give the defense a chance to win for the Steelers right now. All you got to do is give Russell Wilson a chance to win the game for the for the Seahawks. So I think I think that's a spot on uh, thing. But it's interesting. You picked them over. Their division counterparts. I did. And I get, again, this is all very hyperbolic. And if Greg Zerline hits the field goal, right, maybe we're not singing the praises maybe, of. Maybe, maybe. But they don't ask how, they ask how many. Right. And the Seahawks are 4 and 1, and that only loss was to the Saints, who yep. we just gushed over. And Russell Wilson, in the last 19 games, 42 touchdown passes, four interceptions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've got the Seahawks at five right now. At number six, I've got their division counterpart, the Niners. Wait, 40, 40 how many? 42 in his last 19 games. Did you not see this stat? That, that's more than a 10-to-1 ratio. In his last 19 games, that's... Russell Wilson has thrown 42 touchdown passes and four interceptions. I, I saw Matt Williamson once say on Twitter that, because uh, I, I said, man, Russell Wilson, people people have, I thought, I've always hated on Russell Wilson. I've always said Russell Me Wilson too. was a top-five quarterback. Me too. He said Russell Wilson's a top-two quarterback, and I was like, I never thought about just putting him in that conversation because you got Mahomes and you got Rodgers and you got Brady, but you know what? I, I dig it. I, I, I again, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Forty-two and four. That's ridiculous. Touchdowns to interceptions in his last nineteen games. That's insane. At number six, 
I've got a quietly undefeated 4-0 49ers, although maybe not so much after Monday night when all of Pittsburgh was loving them, just smacking Baker Mayfield and company around and Nick hilarious. Bosa planting the flag. Jeez. And, I mean, that was just embarrassing. I love that. That Niners front seven is legit, yeah, man. Legit, and they're bringing every single play. I'll tell you, also, also Wes, did you see his after-game uh, when he was talking to the media, he was talking about how he, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I was talking trash to him. I was saying, Baker. I was like, dude, that's the kind of stuff that I'm like, ooh, I like that kind of villain on TV. Me defense. too. Nick Bosa talking, I mean, talk the talk. Well, you know, you know, walk it like you talk it, man. And he certainly did. Uh, and the Niners, they, they look really tough right now. Their front four are all first-round picks. Yep. Second overall, third overall, seventh overall, and seventeenth overall. Eventually, that was going to start, you know. Oh, and they're all into huge and they're all guys, guys too. Yep. They yep. are big dudes. You've got playmakers got in the Richard secondary. Sherman. Richard Sherman, and we haven't even talked about the offense. A Kittle who might be the best tight. I mean, I think Travis is. Kelsey might be the best tight end in yep. football right now. Uh, Jimmy G looks like he has it rolling again, like we've seen in spurts. That run game is going. Two solid running backs. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, the the great mind that he is. I've got the Niners at number six. Number seven, we're going to stay in the NFC here. Got the Philadelphia Eagles. Interesting. Arthur Motes hates on me. He thinks I put these guys way too high. And I realize record-wise they're only three and two right now. But I still think they're dealing with a lot of of injury concerns they on are. offense. You're right. You're they're right. They're going to get Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson back, uh, and even on defense too. Some of their best players are a little like nothing in long season. You know, right. season but, but threatening, temporarily with some but things. temporarily. Um, I, I just think you look at that. We're talking about front fours and front sevens. You look at the Eagles' defense in that regard. They're getting a little. They're getting some reinforcements back from injuries in the secondary. They're yep. getting reinforcements back in terms of their playmakers on the outside and Deshaun Jackson. And Nelson Aguilar, certainly not a perfect roster, but I think Carson Wentz is only going to continue to look better. I've got the Eagles at number seven. I'll push you back on this okay. because the Eagles are three and two. But they are weird how they're three and two. They barely squeaked away against against Washington, and that that they they had to. But come. That was week one though. That was week one. Then week two, they lose to the Falcons mm-hmm. of all teams. Then they lose to the Lions. Now, granted. They beat they they beat the they beat the Packers. That was a huge win. They were in, in Green at Bay. Lambeau. Yeah. That was a, that was their that was an impressive win. And then they smoked the Jets this past week. You know whatever. Uh, but you know so if it wasn't for the Packers game, I'd be like Wes, you're smoking dope. <laughs> but it, I, I I will I will not bug you too much about it. But I do think I'm a little worried about how they lost the Falcons and the Lions in those games because I, I was watching those. You know I I went to Chain University. Shout out 1837, the first HBCU. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of friends in the Philadelphia community. Mm-hmm. And they're always every year they're going to win the Super Bowl. They've been winning the Super Bowl since 1999. You know whenever that whatever. But this is you know the, the, there's been times I watch these games. And I'm like there's some legitimate threats they have. I think Carson Wentz is the man. I think he can be the man. I don't think he's a top five quarterback right now. Maybe top ten, you know, pushing pushing that right now. He's shown a lot of spurts of greatness, but he's also had his injury concerns. Yeah, and, and those regressive times when he's just kind of not being the man. But all in all, I think the Eagles have a good roster, and I think they will be in the playoffs by the end of the season. We're going to learn about how good they really are here soon because the next three weeks, they are on the road in Minnesota, in Dallas, and in Buffalo. And then they played the, the Bears. We're going to find out just a, just how good that Eagles team is here pretty soon. But for right now, I've got them at number seven. Number eight, I got the Rams. Ooh. Really? I, I, eh, I don't eh. believe in them. Who, who else am I going to put up? Wait till you see, till you see my next couple teams here. Right. I don't necessarily believe in the Rams, too, but I think there's a lot of those three and two type teams in the mm-hmm. NFL right now. Mm-hmm. 
at least the Rams, I trust in Sean McVay. Aaron Donald is arguably the best defensive, not best defensive, he's arguably the best football player in the world right now. That's, he is the best defensive fair. football player right now. Uh, they had a lot of changes, a lot of moving parts to that coaching staff and that roster. I think getting Cooper Cup back, I think they're starting to get more comfortable on offense. Their defense still hemorrhages way too many points, but I think they can still make enough plays too. I've got the Rams at 8. Another team that I don't love too, right behind them, the Cowboys. Yeah. But again, I don't know who I'm going to put it. Who do I like more than the Rams and the Cowboys that I haven't named already? The Cowboys, hey, when they're playing decent to okay teams, they look like world beaters. And then all of a sudden when they run up against some good competition, they look like they can't figure it out. But I still think they've got a good defense. I still think Zeke in that offensive line. Again, I don't love them, but I've got the Cowboys at 9. And then I've got the Buffalo Bills at number 10. You're going to put the 4-1 Bills? Man, Bills Mafia is going to come after you. They're, they're, they're 10? You put the Cowboys above them? Man, I've got, I know some people in Bills Mafia here in Pittsburgh. Wes Euler, well, find, find this man. You go you go to a Bills bar in Pittsburgh. I think the second floor of Mario's is in, on Walnut Street. They will they will put you on a table, uh, light you on fire, and then dive through you. Put me through a table? <laughs> Listen, I I am I, I picked the Bills. You should know this. I picked the Bills to make the last wild card before this season even started. All right, I, I okay. can go back and pull right. it from the record. So All right. I believe in the <laughs> Buffalo Bills as a team that is going to make the postseason or at least be right there in the hunt week seventeen. But against a Titans team that's kind of bland. I, I, I do I agree. Feel like the Titans only win. reason I feel like the only reason we love the Bills is because oh they played the Patriots to a six point game. Yeah, they haven't really beaten anybody great. And hey, their defense, don't get me wrong, looks very legit, looks very lights out. They they beat Tennessee 14 to 7, right? Yeah. They're going to have to win more games like, like that. that. And Josh Allen, too, I think it kind of what I alluded to earlier, that first game back after mm. a concussion, after a, a, something with your head. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen looked a little rusty. I expect him to look better, too. Don't get me wrong, I believe in the bills i got him at 10 all right i've got him here on my list is my third but, best afc team but, but here's here's uh, the bills i was doing that because i know people in bills mafia and i gotta stand up for those people but yeah what's the moats are their moats would be on your side oh that's that right one. i forgot hey he is a bills guy but i gotta i gotta ask wesley either what's the most important position in, fo- in, in football quarterback what quarterback that's lighting it up right now did you leave off your list in this top 10? My next team out, Deshaun Watson okay, and the Houston Texans. Okay, at least Texans. you brought him up. There you go, my West. next team out, Deshaun Watson and <laughs> the Houston Texans. And then at 12, I had the Bears because, man. That defense. So good. Yeah. But just Trubisky and the, being hurt in the quarterback situation in general, I don't know. But I do have the Texans at 11. I'll tell you this. I think the Texans, along with the Eagles, I'll say this, are the teams most likely to move in the next coming weeks. Because the Texans could move up if they continue to stack some wins here. The Eagles, depending on how they do with that competition, could could move up or down the ladder. Yeah, the Texans are playing the Chiefs in Kansas City, 1 o'clock. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I got, I got my wings and my beer ready for that game. That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be that'll be nice too because we'll have plenty of time to watch that with the Steelers not kicking off until eight twenty. Where would you have had? We got to go to break here, but quickly, where would you have had the Texans on your list? I have, I'd have them right around where you had like the Cowboys. Like, like instead instead of them, the three three and two, I would have had them because one of those losses is the Panthers. That was a tough one, but one of those losses was the Saints in New that Orleans. Crazy game week and, one. And it was an insane game. Yep. They put up a great fight, but they beaten the Jaguars. They they handled the Chargers and they looked mightily impressive against the Falcons in this game, putting up 50-burger with 53. Uh, But a lot will be told. They're going on the road to the Chiefs and on the road to the Colts these next two weeks. They win those two games. I think people are going to be singing some praises. 
We're getting into the thick of it here <laughs> in the 2019 National Football League. It's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of these teams that are kind of teetering in that 3-2 and two range, how good are they? Are they really a contender? Have they just been fool's gold up to this point? We're going to find out with a lot of these teams soon. He's Chris Carter. I'm Wesley Euler. You're inside the Electric Factory. When we come back here, we will get to your reaction as we wrap up the show on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at Carter Critiques. And also... We got to talk a little bit about the AFC North and how that relates to the Steelers' current situation as well. We'll do the, all that when we return. Chris Carter, Wesley Euler, inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24 7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show, it's Euler and Carter on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for sitting in, buddy. This has been, this has been fun. It's always fun, Wes. It's been a good time. We just got that chemistry. It's been a good time, oh you know, up in here. <laughs> here you go. You'll like this. We had a... Um, What's up? We had a new... You know, the best bits, the best segments, I feel like, that people do on shows are kind of, you know, things that happen organically, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah. So, on Friday, Moats and I somehow got into the conversation of, are the Steelers black and gold, or are the Steelers black and yellow? Oh, gosh. Right? You guys went into that debate. And Moats was arguing that it was black and yellow, and that's what all the <gasps> players think. I know, right? What? And he Moats has been here a while. And he was asking me, like, why is it black and gold? Why, you know, where did that start? And so I said for him, well, you know, I think it's from the song. You know, you go, cheers, Steelers, mm. the black and the gold, here we go. And, you know, mm. we were a little wound up. It was Ravens week. It was a Friday. We were having a good time, and I may or may not have freestyled a verse of that song where I talked about how Permani's sandwiches were better than crab cakes and, you know, how Lamar Jackson's going to be eating turf. You know, I just feel a little goofy. Oh, wow. So we've got a new segment now on Fridays where I'm going to write a verse to the old, here we go, relating to the Steelers' opponent. Okay. In this my best Yin's Yinzy Yin's Yinzy's voice Yin- accent. Okay. My my best Yinzeries accent. Yeah, yeah. So like I can guarantee for Yin's on a Friday show yeah. there'll be something about how they no longer play in San Diego. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> that's brilliant, Wes. That's 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 brilliant. That's that that the bars as they say. My goodness, man. Yeah, that that's 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 wild though. It, it, sometimes these things just happen organically. But let, but wait a minute, wait. I want to chime in on this black and yellow versus black and gold okay. thing. Get, get get your get your thoughts out. First Speak of now all, forever hold your peace. First of all, Wiz with the song Black that's and Yellow. Did. That's what that's what triggered the whole conversation. And to be honest, if you asked a kid what color is the Steelers logo, they'd say yellow. If you went to any preschool or kindergarten outside of Pen- outside of Western Pennsylvania, exactly, yeah. you'd say yellow. But I think it's, it goes even beyond the song. I think that that's just been part of what they've said for years. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, I got schooled by one of the Steelers legends. I was in I was in law school. I went to some event, and I was you know I was just a casual Steelers fan in Pittsburgh, and uh, and I went to this this signing event. And I had got my father a book of, about the Steelers that I was getting players to sign, and 
Uh, I mean, you know, I'm just I'm just a student. I'm just like, you know, oh man, this is really cool. And I see the line of people, and I'm working my line to the people, and I run into LC Greenwood. Oh yeah. And I, I like he sees me, and this is you know this is Chris 2011. So like my my beard's not as scruffy. I look I'm a little I'm about like 20 30 pounds lighter. So I look a lot <laughs> younger than I did right now. And so. Uh, he sees me and he's like, "You don't even know who I am, do you?" I said, "Of course, you're LC, the man with the yellow shoes, part of the famous Steel Curtain, right?" But so I, I bring up like he, he had the yellow shoes and he looks at me and he just says, "Gold shoes, brother. They was gold." And I'm like, "Oh snap!" He just schooled me. <laughs> oh, and, no. and, and but LC Green, he said, he said, and, and his shoes looked yellow because he would always he wore yellow shoes so he could kick them up in the air because everyone always thought he was Joe Green when he made tackles. And I'm like, man, and like this. That's the thing. My dad, football coach Leonard Carter, love you, man. He be, he made sure I watched all the Steelers stuff growing up, so I knew that kind of information. But LC said, "Nah, man, he was just so smooth too. I, I, I loved meeting that guy. Rest in peace to him. He was a he was a great community and uh, community guy in Pittsburgh. No but doubt. he was the one that told me it's gold, brother. And I was like, dang, maybe there's some there's some thing there. But I'm like, nah, LC's just colorblind. That that is definitely <laughs> yellow. I don't care what anyone says. And I went to high school with Wiz. It is black and yellow. I know it wasn't about the song. Wasn't about the team. It was about the color. But still." That's 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 black and yellow. You can call it gold all you want. Gold is what Pitt used to be, and now they've transitioned out of what the Penguins used to be. Yes, and now, and now they've transitioned out of because also that's just a nasty color. I it prefer the is. bright yellow. Yeah, I'm with you on that one too. I wish Pitt wouldn't have switched back. Because <laughs> you know, now it looks they look fly. Now, I mean, they look flyer than y'all now. I <laughs> mean, that's what I'm saying. It's almost like they looked at WVU and they were like, like All right, we can we can do this, but a little bit better, <laughs> but with some cursive thrown in there to make it look the, real classy." Exactly. Wild. Oh, direct all angry gold tweets at Chris Carter <laughs> on Twitter at Carter Critique. Call me out. I'm, I'm ready to go to war. Uh, speaking of Twitter, Mark asks, uh, he likes how the defense is developing and how can the offense do enough to get time of possession at least close to 50-50? Um, I think part of it has to be... Uh, and he adds to how this is related to some of their failed short yardage opportunities on possession downs. Right. I, I think look at uh, I wrote about this uh, last week going into the game was with their short yardage situations. You look at how defenses are just jumping up to the line and, and praying. When you see that, you got to have the ability to say, "Hey, let's just check into this play action play." It won't be a, a magnificent read. It'll be, "Hey, receiver on the outside, you're running a nine. Tight end, run like a run like a post over the middle, and you know we'll have a running back in the flat, and maybe like the other receiver just run." run a drag route just some simple concepts just to test them if they're too aggressive you'll have an open man that'll open up the ground game which will open up the time of possession game and really help them out i think i think that's how you sort of build it because then when you're converting those those third and shorts now your drives get a little bit longer now you can say hey let's take about 30 seconds off the clock before we even try to think about snapping the short and now you're building that time possession time possession battle i think there's a um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good stuff that, that they that they can do, even with Hodges at quarterback, to get back in the possession about time of possession battle. Chris uh, wonders about Trey Edmonds and if we could see him promoted or if he's going to be on the practice squad still. I don't think so right away because the Steelers just have a lot of. Uh, 
position concerns right now as far as who's available and who's not. You know, you know, you you look at oh maybe maybe they would get rid of Ulysses Gilbert, but he's been playing a lot of special teams and Mark Barron's hurt right now, and you need to kind of keep that depth available. Same thing with cornerback. Steven Nelson's dealing with a nagging groin injury. Do you get rid of Artie Burns? You're not getting rid of uh, uh Justin Lane. He's a third round draft pick. He'd be snatched up in a heartbeat by some teams. Um and then uh, you got you know you got you got the running back position with you're trying to fill right now wide receiver you can't get rid of Moncrief yet because of James Washington we just talked about that you know and, and I know people say well if you sign Eli Rogers well guess what then you're taking one of those spots away it's a rough spot for Trey Edmonds right now I think if another guy goes down then you're talking about yeah like you got to go get a guy that you at least knows your system or maybe go into free agency or something but right now I think the story is. Just uh, ride with who you got. You got Connor and Snell. If Connor goes down, Snell fills in, and yeah, yeah, run behind Roosevelt Knicks and let and let them work that. Um, but but yeah, Dre Evans, not yet. But if something else happens, probably because we do have a month without Jalen Samuels. Last one here. Luke asks that despite some of the things we've seen, despite some of the pessimism, is it still reason enough to be optimistic that with this division, a win? on Sunday and the Steelers are still right in it. I think so. I I'm I'm right with you. I, I think it absolutely is and it's not it's not unrealistic to say, you know what? That means if they had, if they had won the game that they had just lost um uh if they had won the game that they had just lost they'd then, be tied uh, for first they, in the they'd, they'd be tied for first right now. Um and uh, and that's what um and and I think that that's still a reality is that yeah, they and I think I saw it they have the third easiest schedule for the remainder of the season right now. Mm-hmm. That's what you and I were talking about, you know, a couple weeks ago when we were on the show they have some cupcake coming up. And on top of that, the Ravens, they still got to play the Patriots, the Seahawks, the Niners, the team that they're really chasing right now and they get to play again. I think there's a little bit going in their favor that says and I'm not saying that the Steelers just guaranteed to just win, you know, all those games because they're an inconsistent football team right now because of their quarterback play. But I, I I'm saying it don't rule it out. Um I'm not they saying they gotta get a win on Sunday. They have to win Sunday, One and which, five which is would tough be would be a cool. huge hole to climb out. That means you'd have to go what, seven and three for the rest of the season? Something just like to that. make eight yeah. and eight. That's tough when you're dealing with the quarterback situation and still figuring a lot of things out. But you know, it's it's the you know, Wes, I was I've been bringing this up since uh since since the weekend. The last time the Steelers won on the West Coast was uh when they played the Chargers in San Diego with Michael Vick. Oh, I like it. It's funny how history can repeat itself. Dun, dun, dun. I think two, real quick. The Browns are going to lose their next two games as oh, well. Yeah. Two, they're, they're going to be two and five. Seattle and New England. The Browns, you should just pencil them at two and five already. Yep. Still open. Just got to get a win on Sunday night in Los Angeles. Last one here. I know I said that, but our buddy Devin just wanted to, wanted to know from you what camp you were in as far as the overtime decision from from Mike Tomlin and the Steelers to kick the ball. Sorry, we didn't get to this earlier, but to answer the question, I was in the booth. I was like, this makes sense to, to kick to, to kick the ball. You know, take the give them the give Tucker the harder side of the field to kick to, and also don't let Tucker pin you at the one, and then you know let Ryan Switzer return it out. Made sense to me. I I, I dug it, and again, you put your best unit on the field. They got you the three and out. They had already gotten three turnovers in that game. Who was to say they wouldn't have gotten you? another uh, and everyone's like well if they give up one score it's over well yeah well if your fourth string quarterback that's an undrafted rookie throws an interception it's also over you put that team out that they did their job they just had the unfortunate fumble i'm on the team that says that was a good decision to answer your question chris it was fun man thanks for sitting in today 
I'm sure. Well, you know, Mr. Moats, he's that world traveler, you know, Mr. Big Shot all over the place. So I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to do this and maybe even a couple times before well, the season's over. Maybe someday when I grow up, I'll be just like him. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun. Chris Carter, that's the voice you heard with me for the past two hours. If you're unfamiliar, you can find him on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Find his work on DK. Is it DK on Pittsburgh Sports or DK Pittsburgh Sports? DK Pittsburgh Sports. That's what Sports. I thought. Okay, DKPittsburghSports.com is where you can find his work. Of course, you can get at me on Twitter at Wesley Euler. Moats will be back tomorrow on a Thursday. That also means it's Three Question Thursday, and we will be joined by our second favorite partner in crime on the show, Brian Backo, as he always joins us of Post-Gazette fame. A whole bunch to get to tomorrow on the show. Same time, same place. We'll talk the ends at noon on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.